Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Indigenous Vision Podcast. We are here in Spooky Week or um, leading up to Halloween, which is my favorite holiday out of all the holidays of the world to celebrate. My name is Melissa and I'm joined with Suta Calling Last. Hello, everybody. So good to be here with you um, and share this spooky episode that we've got lined up for you. We're going to tell a couple of stories each. Happy Halloween. I know. I'm so excited for this. I've hung out with you for the past, I don't know, few years. And during our time, especially when we're driving or just chilling, you have like so many amazing stories. And some of them I'll have to say have genuinely creeped me out to the point where I'm like looking around when I'm walking home or like just reflecting on my time in nature because of all of the interesting stories you've told me. As far as my background goes with like ghost encounters or anything supernatural, I don't really have like a solid experience that I've seen in so many other people. And I've always been like, why don't I see ghosts? Or how come I didn't feel anything? And it's always perplexed me. But I do have a couple of stories that I've been genuinely freaked out that I want to share today. I'm so excited to hear them. Yeah, I've always... To me, the supernatural and ghost stories, it's almost like telling like a different dimension of the world that we're living in. And it's just the things that we can't see. And so I think at certain times in my life, whether or not, you know, I don't know, I guess how I'm vibing (laughs) at that time in my life is I'm really able to kind of tap into this other, other world and see these other energies or maybe like memories that materialize just momentarily it's so it's such a I don't know it makes life fun yeah and I've kind of felt like jaded because I'm like I want to experience something really interesting and like makes me think about you know the the spirit realm and the, the living realm I have captured several orbs in pictures whenever I'm you know going on vacation or somewhere I remember the the craziest orb situation was actually a trip to Las Vegas and uh, we were in a club. I'm not going to say what type of club, but we were in a club and we took like a short little video and there were so many orbs afterwards when we replayed it back. And I thought, holy moly, spirits in Vegas that are just wandering around. And in life in general, I think on our territories, like there's just a lot going on. So I've ne- I've, I've seen that through cameras. And um, I like I said, I've only experienced weird visual hallucinations maybe on psychedelic drugs whoa whoa <laughs> that's about it i uh, i don't think i've ever got to experience psychedelic i'm trying to remember if i did <laughs> i don't think i did you um, remember <laughs> i remember right? <laughs> I, I have a theory for why reservation stories are so scary and and certain places around this country are scarier than other places and i think it's because there have been we could have the very basic fundamental thing of there is a energy concentrator under the ground, like a deposit of copper, something like that, something that kind of generates and transmits energy a little easier. I think that helps things. But then I I also think that there's extreme human emotions that play into this as well. And wherever we have an extreme emotion of any kind, I feel like it leaves an imprint on that place. And so if there's a lot of tragedy or even on the other end, like a lot of happiness or joy, I think that that can imprint and then it echoes back somehow. 
I have no idea. <laughs> That's an interesting theory though. I, I also think that in concentration of like people and experiences of the past do definitely influence any spiritual ongoings, like that same trip that my friends and I were on for the Vegas, like years ago, my friends also said that they were in the casino, like maybe four in the morning, just playing blackjack because they're crazy like that. And there wasn't a lot of people around, but apparently there was this weird shifty, like mist that went floating by them. And even the dealer saw it and they all just didn't say anything. They were just like, well, it's 4am in Vegas. Um, we're just going to like shrug it off. But they like, like they told us about it as soon as they came back to the room. And I was like, what is that? How is this possible? So maybe that in Vegas, there's just a, a big concentration of like maybe tragic deaths and lots of like, I don't know, not so positive development of how Vegas was formed. Oh, so scary. And that reminds me of my grandpa's story of like why I'm not a a drinker is because oh, speaking, okay, I'll get back to that of being concentrated spirits being concentrated in bars and uh, the seer and my, my great grandpa's friend group, not wanting to be there when all those spirits start fighting over whose body they get because our, our spirits go to a safe place when we put that much tequila in us, <laughs> but it sure does. Uh, how about a real living nightmare? is we're, we woke up in a world today where twice in one week, and these are just the things we know about, is in a place of education, a teacher donned construction paper feather headdresses, and she danced around, and I literally think she was saying oogie boogie, gobble, 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 oogie boogie. <laughs> I think she was saying something some kind of weird stereotypical chanting and literally the students in her, her classroom were face palming. And I just, uh, I want students I to be brave out there. I want them to be like, Hey teacher, that's, that's very wrong. You should stop that. Yeah. I think she was almost so blatantly done with it that maybe she wants to be fired. Like it was so blatant and so foolish. I thought this teacher is going on for way too long with whatever she's doing, like to a point to, I don't know, prove something to her students. It was like, she wanted to be recorded. Yeah. yeah. I really got that feeling watching that video. I know exactly what you're talking about. And then Fox news on national news called us all alcoholics living off the government again, the same old stereotype, but I what know. these do is it makes us invisible, disposable. It tells an incorrect story that native populations are actually one of the more sober populations the the race in america that is the most highest rated alcoholic is white you all deal with as much alcoholism as we do we just have a smaller population and it was newly introduced to us so these stories of alcoholism and adjusting to that lifestyle is brand new for us so agree 100% agree ah uh, uh, but that's a scary real life nightmare um Today, we have some spooky stories to get into, and I really want to hear about the stories that you have. Okay, I'll let you go. I'll go, first. I'll go first. So as a city native or indigenous person, I would visit my reservation cousins maybe once a year for like a week, kind of like a summer getaway. And um, they would tell me all kinds of creepy stories. So every time I got to go to the res, that's when I would like hear like the real the real native story. So there was always stories about weird lights in the sky out there, 
um, that had nothing to do with the Northern Lights. And then there was also some sort of like beings that would like watch from the trees. And of course, I've heard about the little people, which I don't know a lot about. But I did experience a very scary situation with the Northern Lights that showed up one night when all the adults were gone to like a social or a party. And it was like me and my other cousin who were kind of the oldest who were in charge of watching all the other little cousins. So we all went outside. It's like super dark on the res, no lights, except for the Northern Lights up top. And apparently you're not supposed to whistle at them because the, the theory goes, or like the scary tale goes, if you do, they'll notice you and they'll come down and they'll go in your lungs and smother you to death because you're supposed to respect them and like not not do anything not supposed to take pictures just look at them and observe so we all go out and we're all standing like outside the door a group maybe like seven of us a bunch of little indian kids and then they all start whistling like loud like loud whistling and i'm freaking out and i'm like imagining the northern lights getting bigger and bigger and i'm like stop it stop it so they all run in and lock me outside and continue whistling through the windows and they're like trying to get me get me really scared and i was like i was panicking i felt like i was in the middle of like a res horror movie because the door was locked i'm banging on it i'm screaming and i'm like looking behind to see if the northern lights are literally coming down to like try and smother me and everyone's laughing like it was just a really frightening situation because it's pitch black out there like it was pitch black except for the northern lights and eventually they let me back in, but I was like traumatized for a long time. I still love the Northern Lights, but I, I definitely don't joke about them anymore. So that was my scary experience on the res was being locked out while people were whistling at the Northern Lights on a clear, beautiful, like late night babysitting with no adults around. Oh my goodness. That's so scary. I can imagine you have to respect them. There's things that we don't know about and they need to be respected. And then there's some things that we shouldn't know about really. So that needs to be respected as well because not everybody needs to know everything. Okay. I'll tell my very quick story of the blue trail girl. And one night after dropping my little brother off in Fort McLeod, Alberta, I was driving back to my grandpa's house and I decided to take uh, the Blue Trail Road, which is kind of like a more westerly road instead of the one that cuts straight through standoff. I was driving by myself. It was pretty normal of me to just cruise by myself and it was just getting to be dark. It was dusk and I could barely still see shadows in the field. And I was just about to the Glenwood turnoff that takes me back to Laverne and, and Bullhorn area. And driving, like for some reason, I always have a, a mug of coffee. And I I remember putting the mug up to my, my mouth and I smelled my coffee and I'm like, oh, it's always so good every time. I just love the smell and take a drink. And then as soon as I put my coffee down back into the cup holder, I smell this um, dead, rotten meat smell. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I must have just passed like a, a deer or something like a rotting, bloated. That's what it smelled like. And and I was thinking, wow, it's crazy how it can go that fast because it's cold out. It was getting cold. I think it was towards fall, winter. And then all of a sudden, 
I passed a stop sign and and the ditches are deep. They kind of like slope down very gently and go into a like a deep, I guess it'd be like an eight or nine foot drop off into the ditch. And in the middle of the ditch on the right hand side of the road was a girl standing there. And I recognized her long straight black hair, which went down to about her bum area. And she had a and I, I recognized her pants. They were wide leg jeans. You remember what those look like? Those wide leg jeans? Yes, and, I'm a 90s girl. <laughs> and with that, she had a track jacket on that had green and white and I think maybe some like peach or red or something like that track jacket. And I could see her long straight black hair. I could see the back of her jacket. And I, and I wondered why she was standing there and why she wasn't up on the road closer to where you would catch a ride. And all of the sudden, as I was passing her, like just within feet of me being even with her and I was slowing down to stop, to ask why this girl wasn't, I'll pick up girls. I pick up girl hitchhikers. Although I've heard some horror stories about crazy <laughs> girls uh, being picked up as well, but um, I was slowing down. And then all of the sudden at the last minute, some kind of protective mechanism kicked in. And I was like, wait, dead smell girl with no face turned around in the ditch I can't see wearing old school clothes hold on Suta go go just drive oh that's scary that's legitimately scary yeah so I I I stopped slowing down and I sped up and I was looking in my rearview mirror because there's so many stories that I grew up with where people would pick people up and then they're not there when they get them to their destination and I you know, no one in my back seat. The back seat was dark by then. And and then I um, lit the sweet grass I had on my dashboard <laughs> and, and continued on my way home and just prayed, prayed for her because I realized that it could have been someone's relative that may have been hit while hitchhiking in that area. Wow. Now to anyone listening who might've been like, well, what if that's a real person? You legitimately had that intuition of like, this is not a human. No, when I looked back in the passenger mirror, there was, there was nobody standing there. Wow. Yeah. And but when I was this, I saw her. Um, it was probably around 2010. Wow. That yeah. is super creepy. Yes. Have you been by that area since? I've driven past it quite a few times since then. And I, yeah. I always say a prayer in that one area because I felt like I saw something that maybe was just a a hint maybe of of what happened or who was there, mm-hmm. but um, super scary. Creep me out. That is super scary. I've never seen a ghost. I don't think I've seen a ghost. Maybe I saw a ghost in New Orleans. Oh, yes. Tell me that one. So... Last year, Halloween, while the, uh, I guess, in like the slower time of COVID, you know, when things kind of were not peaking, but it was still not great. I decided to take a risk and visit New Orleans for Halloween weekend, which is a trip I've always wanted to do my whole life. I'm a huge fan of Anne Rice books, my favorite fictional author of all time. And all of her stories are mostly based in New Orleans. So the characters I grew up, you know, getting to know and all of the scenarios and just 
this incredible world that she created all existed in New Orleans in the Garden District specifically. So I rented an Airbnb in the Garden District for Halloween of last year. And two days before I, I, or like three days before I go, there's a hurricane on track to hit New Orleans directly. The hurricane hits 24 hours before I land. So my flight is still a go. My trip is still a go. And I'm like, should I have canceled? I don't know. So I go anyways, Hurricane Zeta. It was like a category three and apparently it was quick. It was like four hours on top of the city and then it left. It was a fast, hard hitting hurricane in that it was really, really windy and it caused severe power outages. Um, not as bad as this past hurricane, but when I was landing, I was lucky enough to sit next to a local who helped me navigate the uh, electricity grid board on this app that people were checking to see if their if their neighborhoods had power. Turns out my Airbnb doesn't have power. So I'm already landing in a city knowing that where I'm going has no power. And you could see as we were landing, like areas of the city that were just completely blacked out. So I wanted this like true full moon Halloween gothic experience. I knew that I was getting it. So we land and um, immediately I hear Dr. John come on like the, uh, the music. So I'm like already spiritually in touch. I'm like, ooh, Dr. John is welcoming me to New Orleans. And I get in my Uber and the New Orleans airport's in a, a town called Matery, which is next to New Orleans. So we got quite a drive to where I'm going. And she was so nice. And I told her, yeah, I'm going to this Airbnb and it's, I got no power. And she was like, don't worry, sweetie, we're going to get you in nice and safe into your, your, your room or whatever. So we get there and it's sure enough, black. The only thing that was like providing light was the full moon. Luckily, the sky was completely clear and we got there. We're like at this huge, like six foot fence trying to get into my Airbnb. We finally get in, but we can hear people like walking around on the streets. You know, you can hear like leaves crunching, like there's people around. You just can't see them. So it's super creepy. All the old houses are lit up by this full moon. So I get into my Airbnb and I'm sitting there alone in the total dark. Luckily, I brought a flashlight and I'm like, I need candles. If I'm going to like survive, I don't know how many nights of this. I need like candles. I need water because the fridge wasn't on, obviously. So I had like all of these things I needed to go buy. So I kind of like round up my courage because, you know, it's like 9 p.m. already. It's totally dark outside. I grab my flashlight, my phone, and I go out into the street and I'm gonna be like, okay, I'm just gonna try and find a Walgreens or something. Somewhere that has power in a neighborhood that has power that I can get water, candles, and a snack to get me through until the daylight returns and then I'll feel a lot better. So I start walking down St. Charles, which is like this notoriously well-known street with the, where the car trolleys would normally be going, but there's no electricity, so there's no car trolleys. And I come across this lady who is an older lady, I'd say around in her mid fifties. She's got like shoulder length blonde hair. It's kind of scraggly. I could tell that maybe she's of a lower income, you know, like I, I'm totally assuming all these things about her. And I like approach her and I was like, hey, do you know where there's like a store around here? And she was so nice. And she was like, sure, I'll walk you there. So we, she takes me through the garden district through all these blocks. And luckily New Orleans is like super small of a city. So to walk to another neighborhood, it was like 20 minutes. And we finally get to a Walgreens. She mentions that she wants a pack of cigarettes. And I was like, yeah, I'll totally buy you a pack of cigarettes for your, you know, super courteous nature and showing me where the store is on Magazine Street. 
and I buy her a pack of cigarettes. I pay for my candle and my water with cash. And then we leave and then she starts walking me home again. But she's like taking me down all these streets and showing me all these houses and giving me all this amazing history, like a totally free tour guide going through like blacked out streets under a full moon. I'm just like living this amazing fantasy. Then we get to my door finally and still no power. And she's like, have a good night, Melissa. And I was like, how did she know my name? First of all, I never told her my name. I tried to ask for her name and she wouldn't give me her name. And I thought, well, maybe she's like a con artist or something. And maybe she looked at my wallet when I was paying for my cigarettes and candles and whatever. But I paid cash. So there was no reason for me to pull out anything. And I don't have the kind of wallet where you can see in it. So she just kind of like fades away then down the street into the darkness. And I'm like standing there. I'm like, how did this woman know my name? Why was she so nice to me? Just had the time to like guide me around for an hour and a half through all of these streets and take me to buy like candles. And I gave her a pack of cigarettes in return. So I'm like dumbfounded standing at my gate. And I'm like, was she even real? Or was she like a guardian angel? Like what was up with her? Wow. I get back into my room and I light the candles and I'm sitting there like thinking about that. I'm like, I think I just encountered someone very interesting. So to this day, I have no idea who she is. There's no way for me to like reach out to her and thank her again. I wanted to do, I really wanted to like maybe send a gift card or something. Cause I was so grateful. Like, can you imagine walking down pitch black streets where all the trees are down? Cause there was just a hurricane and you know, like it was kind of frightening. And then she was suddenly there and was like, Hey, I'll, I'll totally walk you to the store and back, you know, like oh I'd never gosh. been. So that was my like strange new Orleans story about that my first like four hours there ever oh that gives then, me chills i know like who is this lady she was so nice and she was like a short petite little lady who knew so much about everything it was just too perfect sutta wow definitely like some sort of guardian a guide right and like it's it, so she was tr- a guide yeah it's so traditional even of a non-native person to ask for tobacco <laughs> I know. And I was like, wait a minute. Like it all set, like sunk in when I got back into the room and I was like, wait a second. I just bought her tobacco. I walked around with her. She knew everything, even my name. It wouldn't tell me how she knew my name or how her name was. And then she just kind of like faded away down the street to this day. I'll never know. Creepy. Definitely creepy story. I have a a story kind of like that. And it's called, I call it my phantom knocker story. And (laughs) yes, kind of like psychological thriller for me, that moment in my life where I had to like sit down and like really evaluate my, my reality. It was a long time ago in my first life (laughs) when I was married. And, uh, we were staying at student housing in Missoula, Montana, and we had a two-story, two-bedroom. Um, and my ex, he worked graveyard shift at a gas station. So he was gone five, six nights out of the night, uh, the week. So I was pretty used to uh, staying home, going to bed by myself and, and being home at night alone. And it was student housing. It was pretty active, lots of young families. And at the time, my whole crew almost was living in Missoula area. Like my high school crew, there was a, 
a group of us, um, three or four boys and two of us girls that would just kind of pal around together and go everywhere, cruise in a van and up to no good. Usually just kidding. We were good kids, but, um, (laughs) a couple of us, (laughs) a couple of us were living in town and my one friend would come over a lot because he was fighting with his girlfriend a lot. So just random times throughout the night or day or week, he would, uh, knock on the door and be like, can I crash on your couch? And like, yeah. So it was a graveyard shift night. I was home alone and it was fall. Cause I remember leaves blowing in the parking lot and went to sleep. I was in a tank top in undies. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night and my eyes popped awake to kind of meet my alarm clock. Right. As I heard this noise and it was a doorbell. And my eyes popped open and I saw 331 on the clock. And I'm like, 331. And I'm like, that could only be, did my ex come home from work? Is he not feeling good? Is it my friend? Are they fighting? And so I run to the front of the parking lot area where my I have a window in the second bedroom. And I look down into the parking lot and there's no cars there. And I don't see anybody standing at my front door and I can't see all the way. So I'm trying to peek over and lean over. And then I realize I'm in my undies and the doorbell rings again. Ding dong, ding dong. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in my undies. And I'm like, okay, in the dark, right? It's so I can't even imagine what it would be like in a new city in the dark. That's the creepiest thing ever. But in my dark house, I'm like, looking for where I maybe put my robe or my pants or something and and I'm trying to get dressed to go to the door and and finally I grab my pants put them on and I get to the top of the stairs and I hear ding dong ding dong again and I'm like oh my goodness is there something wrong and at this time what year was it it was like 2003 or 2004 I think we still had handhelds, the flip phones. I didn't yeah. check. For some reason, I didn't check my phone if it was a message from somebody. I, I had no time. This doorbell was like hurrying me. I looked out the window, ding dong, ding dong. Oh my God, my pants. And then I'm looking for my pants, ding dong, ding dong again. And then I'm at the top of the stairs, rings again. I'm halfway down the stairs towards the bottom. It rings again, ding dong, ding dong. And I'm starting to feel like something is really wrong. I'm like, who could it be? I wonder who who this could be. And I get to the door. So I'm coming from upstairs, down the stairs, through the kitchen, through the living room, to the front door. And I put my hand on the door and I'm just about to open it. And then all of a sudden something tells me again, hold on. And I realized at that moment, I didn't even have a doorbell. Oh my goodness, Suta. I didn't you even didn't have even a, have a doorbell. I didn't even have a doorbell. <laughs> so, yes, I didn't open the door. Creeped me the F out. I just, I didn't know what to do. I I just, um, I had already unlocked it, so I was scared. So I, I held the door shut with my one hand and locked it again. And then I sat down on my couch and just thought, oh, am I dreaming? And I ran back upstairs and I looked at the phone. I looked at the clock. It was 3.33. All of that happened in two minutes. 
like it rushed me down to the door from 331 to 333. And right before I cracked the door open, I realized there was, I don't even, I don't even have a doorbell. And so I called my- Did you ever my... know what happened? Like who was on the other side? No, 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 there was nobody there. There was nobody there. I called my ex. Everything's fine oh, oh. at work. Uh, and then I just go back to bed. That's crazy. <laughs> I know. It took That's me a- really crazy and spooky <clears throat> and, and gives me chills. Because like, as an introvert, anybody who knocks on my door that's not scheduled to, I treat as like, what is that? What is that? Exactly. Exactly. And I was, you know... I was worried about everybody else. And then finally, by the time the do- my hand hits the doorknob, I'm finally worried about myself. <laughs> I wonder why I'm going to say they, I don't know. I wonder why they do that. I've only experienced, I think it's because I've always wanted to see a ghost only in my dreams. Do I see ghosts and they play tricks on me, but never in real life. Mm. Maybe that's the only place they can reach me. I don't know. But the whole playing tricks on people, I could see myself getting into that as a ghost as well. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I would find that somewhat entertaining. Like, I get it. Like, play tricks on these people. Use your energy to do whatever you can to, like, mess with their heads or their moods because you're bored, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or something. what's better than making a girl scramble for her pants at 3.30 in the morning? And like, how do you even make a doorbell sound ring through a home? What is up with that? Yeah, I, I just, how many times I heard it, putting my pants on, sitting there, being awake, calling my ex. I have my pants on the doorbell ring. I'm awake. I guess I should just go back to sleep. I don't know. I I was talking to him on the phone. He remembered it. I don't know. Hmm. That's really trippy. Really, but another really time, creepy. another oh, time <laughs> I was with these same group of friends, like our crew, I'm, I'm, um, accidentally married one of our crew, but, um, so we've used to fit into this little tiny clown car, uh, geo Metro. It's crazy because like I'm five ten, uh, my ex was five ten. The rest of them are like six foot. And we, we all four or five of us at a time would fit into a geo Metro and <laughs> clown car. Um, my friend Clinton, my buddy Clinton just reminded me of this one just a couple of weeks ago. And, and I had forgot about it. I put it out of my mind, I guess, but we were hanging out at this place called green Lake and it was a full moon. I think it was really yeah, you could tell there was some light on the land and uh, we were just hanging out, standing around the lake. And um, somebody in the crew says, what's that over there? Is that a guy? And we look over and we can see this road called the Gap Road. And on top of the hill on the road, you can see this tall shadow figure standing there. And everybody is like, that's a, that's that's shadow man that's like stick man or something like we got to get out of here and and so we don't we start kind of like trying to figure out and look closer at what it is because green lake is a long ways away from the gap it's a it's a you can't you can't even see it really but there somehow we were standing there and on top of this road on this hill was this shadow figure and i should have brought clinton on to tell this story because he tells it much better than i do but as we were walking closer to it it started to move towards us 
and then we stopped and and somebody probably garp uh (laughs) walked closer to it and it zoomed down the hill towards us more and when it moved at that superhuman zoom speed we all ran back to the car and piled in and started to drive back towards town but he's out there forever yeah that's creepy so creepy Again, I've never been chased. I've never been like spooked that hard in the wilderness, unless it's from an actual animal or I've been chased by the cops once. (laughs) I'll admit when I was a teenager with a large group, but that was the only time I've been like fearfully chased was from other human beings, unfortunately. Never by like a creepy shadowy figure or something. I almost think like that would be... I would be one of those people that would just stop and stare and be like, no, I want to see what this is. I want to see what it is. And then first girl killed. <laughs> yes. Or go missing. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it, it seemed to really be conscious of the, the stop and go mm-hmm. happening between my group of friends and it. And when we would go forward, it would stand still, but then it would be like, oh, you want to, you want to see more and it would come closer and. <sighs> And I kind of have this theory that, you know, all of these spooks and creepy things, they, they are fueled by the energy that we give them. So, right. Like it, they're, they're out there trying to scare, you know, those who are open to it or fearful of it. I think if you're scared of it, you attract it a little bit. So maybe someone in our group is there, but it's, I think it's really important to like, not be scared because uh, you feed it. And I have another story I'll get into and I'll try to tell it as quick and thoroughly as possible. And this happened in boarding school on the Blackfeet Reservation. And in at the boarding school, which is a, a residential school, you see in the name boarding school. When I grew up in the 90s, there were races that were held there so all of the schools would bring their kids and we'd have like 100 meter dashes stuff like that and and then they'd give us sack lunches and um it was a really creepy school and one of the girls who I knew went there for a little while would say that when she was laying on her bed uh there would be like a finger that would tap her or there would be a girl that would come stand in the doorway and then there were also these graves Um, which I'm assuming are from the school with uh, cement platforms over them. And my mom told me that they put these cement, heavy cement slabs down because they were graves that had some bushes come up over them and the creek runs through. So the graves pop up and kind of like (laughs) get, get moved around or something. So they put these cement slabs over them and a big group of us were very picking in the summertime of probably 1992 and uh because my my little well actually it was much so my little sister she was born in 85 so it was probably 1989 because she was four I think and she was on a three-wheel tricycle a radio flyer and we had a big ice cream white ice cream bucket that I was trying to fill with berries and we were with my mom's best friend's kids there each one of us had a playmate our age. My older sister had a, a friend, and then I had two boys that I played with, and my, me and my little sister, and then there were some younger boys that my little sister also played with. And 
six or seven of us kids out there, berry picking, my mom and my aunt are in the house visiting at the kitchen table. And me and my sister are kind of far away from the rest of the group. And I hear hooves on cement. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay, so if my sister's four, I might be six. And I all I think of is like a big mean cow. And I'm like, come on, come on, sis. We have to, let's, let's go back over to this group. So I try to get her on her trike and I hear the hooves on the cement again. And I'm like, there's a cow in the bushes. I don't know if it's like a, a bull or if it's a mean cow, um, but let's, let's, over, let's go over to the other people. And so she's little, she's having trouble getting on, getting her foot over the tricycle. And I'm trying to like push her on there because I'm starting to get scared or like, what's gonna happen if this cow comes over and like tramples <laughs> two little girls. And so I, she's having trouble getting on her bike. So I walk over to the bushes and I wanna peek at what might be in the bushes. And I hear the hooves walking on the cement. And um, I'm looking, looking through openings in the bushes. I can't see anything. And then I see hair and it looks like, um, like a bear hair or something. And I'm like, oh my God. And then I, I follow it. I step back because what I'm seeing is just hair and it's way hairier than a cow would be. And I look, as I step back, I, I look up to human height and there's a man's face peeking through the bushes in an opening Ew! in the bushes yes and and i have it really patchy in my head he looks like a non-native guy he has a beard he's hairy he has curly hair he had horns but his eyes were black there was no emotion nothing good in his eyes like as soon as i saw his eyes i tripped over backwards and i pretty much was trying to scream and and at that point i i almost fall down i turn around i push my sister onto her tricycle and she almost starts crying because i'm like get on your bike oh my god get on your bike and i'm pushing her and i turn around and i look at this guy and he laughs <laughs> like a cackle laugh and um, at that point, other kids in the group hear the laugh and see me and I'm like, run, run, everybody run. And, and I'm pushing my sister and he, he steps out of the bushes and he is half man, half goat. And I'm trying to push my sister. I'm trying to push my sister. All of the other kids start running towards the house. And he, he does this game where I feel like he's feeding off of our fear. And he run towards, runs towards us, screams, laughs, and just watches us scramble towards the house, just scared out of our wits. And we all get to the house. He never, he never actually touches us or d grabs us or does anything, but we all get to the house and we run in, mom, mom, all of us are screaming mom to our moms. And there's a goat man out there. He's, he's getting us. And, and then this is where I start to think, okay, where, where does my imagination start? Where do kids stories start? Because we're four, five, six. I think the oldest one of us is 12 or 13. And um, so it's just six kids from five to 13. And 
and we've talked about it since um, when we were little, but not as adults. So I'm not sure where our imagination starts and where reality starts. But when we get into the house, our moms are at the kitchen table and they start laughing at us. You guys are just joking. Stop playing. And then my aunt, she looks out the front door and she she turns around and she's completely pale and she shuts the door behind her and she says, he's out there. And so all of us kids like are like, oh, my God, what do we do? We run to the windows. We're looking out the windows. We get screamed at, get away from the windows, get away from the windows. And we hear hooves jump up on top of the house and he starts running back and forth on the house. And then we hear a big thud and um, and he's throwing boulders down off the house and laughing. And um, I've been back there as an adult. There is one house in boarding school that has about five or six large boulders, about one and a half, two feet across, um, and probably about a foot high. These are big, big boulders, and they line the driveway now. Wow, that is so scary. (laughs) My father's a seer, too, and he's seen things like that specifically. Yeah, it was it was really creepy. I can't imagine like having the adults confirm it. Yeah, for the longest time, I was really scared of bumps on the roof uh, up until my early 20s. And then in my early 20s, I had a shift in my my energy, I suppose. And I just decided to fight back and not be scared like I wasn't going to take it anymore. Right. Yeah. And it just uh, Hmm. stopped, stopped. Really, That's all ev- all the seeing and everything, all the spooks kind of stopped when I decided to just not be scared anymore, kind of like harnessing my my own fear. Right. That's um, I believe in that, too. Like, I don't feel like I don't feel scared of magic when you mention like people doing bad medicine. Like, I'm not scared of that whatsoever. So I think that's why I feel unaffected. But I've, like I said, I've never encountered something supernatural. So I can't really say, would I be scared if I saw something? But I've been around a lot of people who have. And I've been around people who said they've seen things around me. Whoa. Same. Yeah. Same. I was yeah. in Fargo visiting friends. Um, one of my journeys back to Canada, I met, usually meet my friends in, you know, North Dakota. And then we drive up. But we had like a party night in Fargo. And uh, my friend said that while we were all sleeping, there was like a a man watching me sleep. And I'm pretty sure it's my grandpa, you know, like, I think I'm just ultra protected. But she said there's like, there was this really calm guy just watching you sleep all night. And I was like, really? I'm like, so you just saw that and went back to sleep? Like, I would be screaming, I think, if I saw something like that. And I'm pretty sure I've been possessed a couple of times. So I think maybe I'm the scary one. Oh my goodness, that's possession <laughs> stories scare me the most. Like I I love scary stories, but I like I on Coast to Coast AM, which I don't listen to anymore because they don't really tell they never have a native on when they're talking about native stuff. Like mm. and they constantly have anthropologists on who are like the Native American, I'm really good friends with the Native American community, Ugh. or uh, I'm really good friends with a shaman, and he says, and, and I'm like, just let's hear it from from the real people yeah so I stopped listening to that but I couldn't ever listen to the the exorcism or the possession 
stories. Those are my favorite like things. Those are my oh, favorite types of so movies, scary. my favorite types of books. So maybe that's why I think I have been possessed once actually here in Las Vegas after a night of heavy drinking, because I would <gasps> kind of welcome stuff like that. I'd be like, let's test it out. But my friend has, this was maybe be 10 years ago. She took video of not like videoing me, but like the audio. And you can hear me speaking in a really scary voice. I told them to turn off the radio. I told them all to shut up. And then I said I was about to be sick. And I was also growling up until this point. So I was like making these like really weird growls. But apparently I was just squished in the back of a taxi in the in the back seat in the middle between two people. And I had my head down. So my throat's like compressed. And I'm like growling, they said growling and growling and they're all like <laughs> she sounds so crazy Melissa's growling my friend starts to recording and I'm like turn off the radio and I'm like shut up and then I'm like I'm gonna be sick <laughs> and oh like my God. two different voices and the cab driver like immediately stopped the cab apparently and I just like slithered out like a snake and threw up <gasps> so scary this is what people have said about me Oh and, my goodness. Yeah. So, so I you, think I you was threw up possessed. the poison and you came back. Yeah. And then I remember, I remember, I remember rolling on the ground and seeing the street street lights. Cause you know, this is like peak alcoholism for me. And I'm like, I get up and I'm like, Whoa, that was so crazy. And oh then we go back goodness. to the hotel room and they put me to bed and they went out and kept partying. So I'm like oh laying goodness. there post who knows possession. And I wake up and I'm like exhausted. I have this huge, weird bruise on my chest. And I'm like, did I fall over a rail or something? Did I hit a spike? But I think I was possessed that night. Wow. So crazy. So and they, they couldn't get me. They couldn't get me, Sutta. Oh. <laughs> I was too powerful. Stay here, Melissa. Stay strong. <laughs> So I think that's why I've always believed like, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm like the dark force or something. Cause right. I'm just like, not scared. So I don't know. Scary. Well, each of us have like a light, like a, you know, our good side and our dark side, right? Like mm -hmm. our not so good side. We have to keep a balance between these two, because I think in, in our early history, we, we needed these, uh, characteristics i suppose as some sort of saving mechanism but and in in anishinaabe culture some people are born part windigo con and i think i'm part windigo con so i'm like part trickster i think so i think it's me oh, maybe they think i'm one of them that's why they don't review i don't know i don't <laughs> oh know my Sita. god we need a, we need an elder in here to smudge you or um slapping medicine then <laughs> <laughs> But I just smudged. I don't get it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you have to. Then I thought, well, why, why would I be like this? Is it because I'm super nice? Like I can handle it. Maybe my particular being can handle something like that. Mm, medicine people, medicine people. I think, you know, in some ceremonies, you do open yourself up to a portal to receive that, you know, otherworldly advice and guidance right so i'm trying to do that now without alcohol wow to open wow. up and like let whatever come forward but mm. it doesn't happen now mm. so spooky yeah 
so spooky. That's that just creeps me out. I cannot do exorcism or possessions. Ghosts, yes. Uh, I should um, send you a adopted picture of myself waving and like black out my eyes, and I'll be like, "Hi, Suta." God, no, please don't. That's so scary. <laughs> so scary. Um, so that that's a couple of the scary stories that I had. Um, I think we did good. I think we yeah. uh, we shared a lot, and I hope that whoever's listening found or got a creepy feeling because whenever <laughs> Sue to tell stories, I get totally creeped out, like for <laughs> real. Uh, this is such a beautiful world that we live in. There's so much that we don't know. Yeah. Happy Halloween. I love the Milky Way. <laughs> <laughs>